Tonight on the Fanatic Forum, the Royal Rumble is over. We're on the road to WrestleMania. But that road is rough and rocky right now. There's a lot to talk about, but never fear. Your Fanatic and Junior Fanatic are here, and we're going to talk about a lot of that and so much more right after this. Happy Friday and welcome to the Fanatic Forum. I am your Fanatic and host, George Bueller. I uh, hope everybody had a good week so far here. Uh, we have got a lot of wrestling to talk about, and we're certainly going to be doing that this week. Uh, but of course, last weekend, we had the pleasure of having the Multiverse Fundraiser uh, in honor for uh, comic books for kids. Of course, you guys are on the Fanatic Forum here know comic books for kids very well. I play their ads every week. Uh, but anyway, we uh, were uh, raising money, and I believe we met our goal or exceeded our goal. But either way, it was a wonderful weekend. I got to talk to Marvel legend Bob Hall, who's a tremendous artist. Uh, we had a great time. And of course, over the weekend, I uh, got to fill in uh, doing some other you know, hosting for uh, different panels. Uh, I was on Ice Cream Queens uh, Sunday night. Saturday, I was on Smokes and Road Beers Watch Along. So basically, last weekend, I was responsible for five hours of podcasting <laughs> between Friday and Sunday. So I got to take a little rest. <laughs> But anywho, helping me out this week here, of course, I couldn't talk about wrestling stuff without bringing on my brother from another mother, my greatest tag team partner of all time here, my junior fanatic, Seth Moore, co-host of the Smokes and Road Beers podcast. Hello, hello. Thank you again for having me. I am excited to be part of the Fanatic Forum again tonight. Excited to talk all the wrestling gossip because, yeah, there's a... There's Ooh, a lot of change. Oh, oh yeah. So so, so, so much. So much. So much. It's 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 rich and thick and dripping and sugary and everything. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, but how are you doing, brother? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Uh yeah. Like you said, we, we got to hang out Saturday and do the Royal Rumble thing. And uh you joined mm -hmm. us for that. Thank you again. We we appreciated you jumping in there and hanging out with us. It was a blast to to yeah, watch along yeah. and yeah, that was that was so much fun, and uh, then uh, yeah, we had uh, our show last night, and so I did mm -hmm. my fair bit of streaming. But yeah, no, you're turning into a regular, a regular streamer. You know, you're making it like a a full time job and everything. Well, I mean, yeah, last weekend was a special, you know, because it was the the fundraiser. So I'm basically being a good, uh, you know, network affiliate and uh, helping right, out. Right. And then, you know, we're be doing my share. And then, you know, uh, you know, I needed to fill in for a couple of people that hosts fell ill. Uh, they lost their voice. I'm like, well, if, you know, you can't talk, then you can't talk. So, you know, I go over there and then 
my friend uh, Melinda Beck, who uh, is the uh, creator of the uh, Moss Hollow podcast. Uh, they, of course, she's been on the show before. Mm-hmm. If you guys haven't checked her out, if you're looking for a good uh, spooky Appalachian, you know, uh, you know, style, you know, horror podcast, but it's like an audiobook. As a you know, yeah, it's like a radio game. play kind of deal. Like, the, yeah, yeah, I listened to a couple episodes already. That was that's some cool stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's legit. Yeah, so uh, yeah. Melinda was on the Ice Cream Queens uh, this past Sunday, uh, talking about the podcast. Of course, uh, the first season's about to end, and we are pressuring her for a second season. So we'll see about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyway, uh, so yeah, just doing that and helping you guys out. You know, uh, you know, tagging yes, in thanks. on the, uh, the Royal Rumble thing. So yeah. I'm 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 here to help out my friends. Yeah, you were originally just supposed to come in with uh come in with a hot tag at the end that uh was just supposed to be you singing when Mr. Punk won the rumble, but you, you came in a little early and that that was a welcome addition and we appreciate it. Yeah, well, it. you know, you got uh, uh Bill had a guest that uh, apparently uh uh tapped out a little early. Yeah, we were the rumble was not entertaining for Mr. Jeremy, so he had to <laughs> fall asleep in the chair and he had to swap out with his son austin and then yeah um yeah jeremy i believe slept mostly through the rest of the pay-per-view either the either the rumble was not entertaining or we were not entertaining with our commentary but yeah it, it, it uh, had to be the the rumble because we were we were damn entertaining i'll tell you i i like yeah. i thought we were awesome yeah we were yeah we were great yeah <laughs> oh well, all kidding aside here, uh, before we get into the comics and the wrestling talk, got to acknowledge uh, a couple of big losses today here uh, in the world of film and in the world of music as well. Um, uh, you guys may have heard earlier today uh, the passing of Carl Weathers, uh, storied actor. You know him from the Rocky films, Predator, Action Jackson, of course, more recently on The Mandalorian, mm-hmm. uh, passed away at the age of 76. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So much stuff. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just a great actor. When, from what I've heard, is a, a a gentleman backstage, a good, you know, good guy. So hysterical uh, and arrested development when he played himself, he was Jones there. Oh. He was uh, a <laughs> yeah, acting coach. Every yeah, time you do that, you keep that, you take that, you make a great stew with it. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, and then you know, this is an '80s picture, you know, uh, of him. But man, I mean, just that dude was just split, you know, just chiseled good looks there. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, and and he kept that good looks too. So you know, good genetics on his part there. But yeah, uh, apparently, he passed away in his sleep. No other reasons uh, was given. Uh, but he, you know, peace passed away peacefully in his home. But uh, what a loss, man! What a great career, great actor. Right. Uh, and the one I found out literally uh, about thirty minutes before we. Uh, uh, hit the air here. Uh, this one hits a little harder for both of us too here, uh, being fans. Uh, legendary MC5 co-founder Wayne Kramer passed away at the age of 75 today. Yeah. Uh, no oh. cause of death was given on this one just yet. Uh, just a brief, uh, uh, you know, brief uh, posthumous you know, or, or, um, obituary. I couldn't, I, my brain wasn't working. A uh, brief obituary online. Um, right. Yes, no cause of death was given. But yeah, the MC5, uh, just a tremendous rock band, uh, very instrumental to punk rock, uh, you know, for just their energy, their social involvement. Uh, they're just kind of DIY sort of, you know, mentality for the band. Yeah. 
they they came out of that dirty Detroit sound with like the Stooges and you know the, uh, mm-hmm. what the like Lou Reed would kind of try and imitate kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, man, kick out the jam. George and I were kind of talking about it earlier. Kick out the jams is one of my favorite albums of theirs, the live album. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I still think that's one of the greatest records ever made. Just you know, one of the greatest things to grace magnetic recording tape, as I believe yeah. Henry Rollins once said. But mm-hmm. absolutely, and you know, it's crazy too. Like their first album was a live record, but yeah, it was just kind of like that was the the. You know, they obviously did two other albums uh, that were officially released as studio albums. Uh, of course, there's tons of other bootlegs and live records that's out there. Obviously, they got tons of stuff streaming oh, online. Yeah. If you don't know who the MC5 are, please look them up. They're awesome. Uh, especially if you like your kind of like your, you know, meat, potatoes, rock and roll, you know, with a, you know, definitely with a punk right. edge to it. Before there was punk rock, because these guys debuted in 1968. You know, yeah. there was no punk rock thing. Uh, but yeah, they were uh, heavily socially involved. Basically, their manager was a member of the White Panther Party, which was kind of like the Black Panther Party, but they had white people in it. Um, but they were far more militant than the uh, the Black Panthers. Sometimes, uh, almost getting criminal. So, <laughs> oh wow, yeah, wow, that's uh, yeah, that's actually saying a lot too. Yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> Uh, there's some great documentaries out there on the MC5 and their whole history and stuff like that. And some of the some of the crap they got caught up in because of basically who was representing them. Uh, like they were just there to, you know, they had some social messages in their music and they were just there to play. But you know, they also weren't there to get arrested <laughs> for right, being, yeah. being considered terrorists or anything like yeah. that. So. See, man, that's the stuff with like music history that always gets me too. Cause, you know, that, I mean, to me, that is part of history is like, you know, bands being involved with that kind of stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that, I don't know. They I always st- think that stuff's cool. Yeah. They, had, they have stuff to say. So, yeah. So, rest in peace to uh, Carl Weathers and to Wayne Kramer. Uh, so, yeah. yeah well, so, everybody knows who Carl Weathers is. Uh, but, yeah, if you're not familiar with the MC5 or any of Wayne Kramer's solo stuff, because he, he was very prolific throughout the 90s and the early 2000s. Um, yeah. And then try to reform the MC5 uh, with basically, you know, different, you know, celebrity, uh, you know, musicians coming in. Because at the time he was doing the revival for the MC5, the only living member uh, was himself and then drummer uh, Dennis Thompson. Um, because let's see, the bass player he passed away in 2012 before they did the reunion, and then Rob Tyner and Fred Smith both passed passed away in the 90s. So, oh, so okay, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so now there's only Dennis Thompson's the only surviving member now, the drummer. So, Whew. yeah, but he's awesome, man. I that guy's got like you know his he's got like a machine gun s kind of just firing on his drum kit, man. That guy's just. Yeah. yeah, I did not want to be his drum skins ever. <laughs> <laughs> he beat them like they stole his money. <laughs> oh man, yeah, it's weird. Like if you ever get a chance, like if you like if you're if you're curious to look pictures up, like a, a concert drummer, like a rock concert, like when they they put new heads on them every night, just about like sometimes even change them out during the shows. Yeah. But like the uh, but you like like I know you've seen them. Like I'm just talking about like if people haven't checked it out, like. But like, if you get a chance, like the ones after the show that stay intact, just how beat up they get, like a before and after kind of thing. It's crazy how yeah. hard some of these some of these people hit those drums. Oh yeah, so yeah, John Bond was a heavy drummer the same way too. So he yeah. he he managed. Matter of fact, it was because of him that like they would do like heavier skins on some of the other 
you know, drug yeah. and whatnot. So he, he kind of helped work with us. So I, I can't remember what company that he was, you know, working with, but yeah, he, <laughs> he was responsible for building some better, stronger drum heads. <laughs> yeah. Which that sucks because you couldn't bust through a drum head, you know, a drum head mid song. Because then, what are you going to do? You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, I got a couple of comics here to share with you before we get yes. into our wrestling talk because we got a lot of wrestling talk. And yes, of course, you can't do a fanatic form without talking comics. So, uh, <laughs> we only got one Marvel selection this week here, but this is Avengers Twilight issue number two here. Great Alex Ross cover here. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. So this is a. Uh, Basically kind of a sandbox series here. This is not connected with regular Marvel continuity here, but uh, Chip Zdarsky, Daniel Acuna is the uh, creative team on this one. Uh, this has basically been compared for DC fans to Kingdom Come or, you know, Old Man Rogers sort of thing. Because basically what it is, they, we're in the future. Steve Rogers has retired. Most of the Avengers are either uh, dead or retired uh, because of the events of this infamous Hero Day, which was kind of a you know, a lot of villains teamed up together against a bunch of heroes and the villains mm -hmm. won. Uh, oh. uh, in the future, there is a new generation of Avengers led by the son of Tony Stark and Janet Van Dyne, uh, but he's kind of an a-hole. And uh, there's a corporate guy by the name of Jarvis, who's not Edwin Jarvis, but is a different Jarvis, uh, that okay. is basically kind of leading young Tony, uh, or uh, young James Stark, that's his name, uh, by the, the short hairs basically kind of leading him along like a puppy, though he's not aware of this. Uh, and issue two, we find out a lot of revelations of what's going on behind the scenes of this new regime that's controlling the United States, controlling all information and media, kind of seeming a bit like a dictatorship, even though they're not officially supposed to be a dictatorship. So, uh, but yeah. Okay. Our, Captain America basically gets back in shape, straps on the shield one more time, uh, gets a new dose of super soldier serum, and now he's back out in the field again. Uh, but it's definitely <laughs> a much different battle than it used to be in his early days. And so he's got a bunch of group, uh, a group of young people that are calling themselves the Defenders, led by an elderly Luke Cage who's still around, but basically because of his steel skin, uh, the older he gets, the harder it is for him to move. So he's basically bound to a wheelchair. Oh. Uh, yeah. Uh, but he's still kicking. Uh, but yeah, he's, you know, he basically he sees all the stuff that's going on. And so these defenders are kind of working, you know, under the radar, in the shadows, sort of very guerrilla tactics uh, against this new breed of Avengers who just suck. But yeah, it's it's very much like Kingdom Come, where it's like, you know, the new heroes suck and the old heroes got to come in and, you know, spank their <laughs> bottom. take care of things, yeah. Yeah, but, you know, you know they, they haven't blown up Kansas City like they did in Kingdom Come, but we're getting close. Right, right. Oh, man, that's, yeah. that's big, shoes to, or big shoes to step up to, too, because Kingdom Come was a great story. Yeah, it is. But, yeah. you know, it's kind of coincidental that Alex Ross does the covers for uh, this series. And Alex oh, yeah, Ross, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so connection. <laughs> I uh, got a couple of cool DC books here. Batman Offworld issue three here. Of course, this is Jason Aaron's uh, uh, miniseries that he's doing, uh, his first ever Batman run here. Uh, Batman riding a robotic wolf. That's awesome. It's kind of, basically, it's an alien uh, wolf here. Let me bring this up here. Okay. This is kind of like, this is kind of like an alien uh, uh, species here, but basically uh, Batman tamed him. 
and decided like you convinced him that don't hunt me let's go hunt other things and so wolf says cool you know and okay, okay. there uh but anyway uh the whole plot of this one here of course like i said this is jason aaron's first ever uh on a dc book and on you know a batman book period but jason's doing a new run on some dc books he's over on action comics as well doing a mini series uh or kind of a, a short run there Anyway, Batman Offworld is early days of Batman. He fights a uh, literal alien from space that kicks his butt because some gangster hired him when he was in town, I guess. I don't know how a gangster hires a space alien, but there you go. Uh, <laughs> but he does to basically specifically to take out Batman. Well, Batman figures out where this guy comes from, you know, the Slag Galaxy. And so Batman builds himself a spaceship, books a one-way trip to the Slag Galaxy, and it's like, I'm going to learn how to fight and survive against these really tough, badass aliens so that I may, too, become more badass. So basically, okay. this is literally a training expedition for a young Batman off to intergalactic realms where he's never been before. And he doesn't quite have a clear path home. So, uh, but yeah, lots of fun there. Jason's you know doing a good job writing on it. I've, you know, three issues in, I'm still enjoying the series, so that's a good run uh, okay. My other one from DC, the finale to Titans Beast World. This is issue six. Of course, this is the officially the first big kind of you know all-encompassing DC crossover where the Titans are 100% in charge of the situation here. They are handling things. Uh, the members of the Justice League are still there. They're still available, but basically they have disbanded the Justice League. The Titans are now the premier superhero team in the DC universe. So when the big world crisis things are happening, you call on the Titans here. Uh, and Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all them, they play backup. You know, they, they ask Dick Grayson, what do you want to do? You know, you know, what should we do, Dick? You know, sort of stuff like that. Right, so right. That, that's how much they are in charge. It's a really cool kind of dynamic, especially if you're a Titans fan to see like, they're all grows up now. Uh, you know, the, 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 the old guard, while they are still in the fight, they have, you know, stepped aside and said, okay, y'all are, you know, you, you know, this, this is you guys, you, you guys are, you know, handling this stuff now, whatever else. So right. very well done here. Um, of course, Amanda Waller's very heavily involved in the events of this and is, um, well, she's gone full heel. And uh, if you didn't already hate Amanda Waller by the time you finish uh, Beast World here, you will absolutely hate her. I can't curse enough on the show about her, but yeah, <laughs> she's yeah she she does uh, Waller does some real, especially if you're a Beast Boy fan. Uh, Waller does some real dirty stuff that you're like, mm, no, you don't touch Gar. But yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. even, again, just she's such a great villain, but uh, but yeah, a, 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 for a first ever event for the Titans being in charge now, well done. Uh, you know, a lot of fun. It kept up. The ending was good. They kind of left you some, you know, some tendrils for the next thing that's going to happen and whatever next problem coming up and you know, a further larger problem throughout the DC universe. Again, Amanda Waller. Um, yeah. But yeah, just. Good, good stuff. I had nothing but good things to say about that. And so, uh, you being a more of a DC fan than uh, than I'm being the, the more of the Marvel fan, I knew you'd appreciate that. So, oh yeah. Uh, next up for my indie stuff here, uh, issue five of Harriet Tubman, Demon Slayer. 
Uh, this has still been a yeah. great series here. Yeah, it's awesome. It's okay, all right, all right. Kind of in the same vein of Abraham Lincoln Vampire, Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Hunter. Yeah, yeah. We're we're uh, you know changing history a little bit here. So basically, Harriet Tubman, while still being involved with the, the Underground Railroad and freeing slaves and getting them to safe you know safe passage. She's also really adept at killing vampires, werewolves, monsters, and all that sort of stuff here. Uh, apparently, in her youth, uh, she, like, hit her head and it knocked her out. When she woke up, suddenly she's like John Wick with a set of blades. Like, she's just ultra ninja badass. Uh, right. So she's got recruited some, you know, various, you know, cohorts and even you know adopted a couple of kids that she considers her children but she's got like this little band of people um and so she's uh, currently freeing a family and as they're going along you find out there's kind of like this demon vampire i don't know exactly what this dude is but here's some big bad who's literally like rounded up all the monsters and like look she's a problem go after her Let's do it now. And so, like, so she finds out in this issue that she's being hunted, and also you find out a little bit more about her backstory of why she's, you know, the excellent monster hunter that she is here. But yeah, uh, no. this is from um, uh, Massive, which is a uh, affiliate of Whatnot uh, from their comic brand here. Uh, also, it's a artist imprint of Kingwood Comics here because of the uh, uh, cr uh, creative team of uh, David Crownson. Cortland Ellis and Sharonda J. Brown. But yeah. If you like your alternate history stuff, highly recommend. Been a lot of fun series. There stuff. you go, yeah. Uh, a couple of image books. Uh, we had two big whoppers this week here. First off, issue number seven of World Tree. Uh, the uh, techno uh, thriller here. Basically, you've got the... Uh, I also realized the World Tree there kind of does this little like digitizing effect here. Yeah, yeah, those covers are always cool. Yeah, that's cool. I don't really neat. Well, it's it all kind of slotted and everything, like it's a, a computer screen. But yeah, um, don't want to give too much away because, of course, like I said, there's a lot of you know weird techno stuff going on here. We have like a dark side of the uh, a dark side of the internet uh, that's now basically come forth, you know, and is corrupting people, causing people to kill, do horrible things whatever else there's a whole conspiracy around it and yeah there's a group of hackers that have been caught up in this thing for 30 years they thought they took it uh, took it out but apparently they haven't and the guy that was the ringleader maybe it seems he may have unleashed this thing on purpose so there's lots of stuff going on in this book here uh not for kids lots of violence and nudity because uh, <laughs> there's there's specifically yeah. a character that served we i think she serves this dark internet thing, like specifically kind of their avatar on earth. And she has this tendency to basically walk around stark naked. Like she's heavily tattooed, but she walks around stark naked when she's in her murder rampages. So it's like, yeah, if they were doing like a TV show or a movie of this, like, you know, whatever actress they hire, it's like, I hope you're comfortable with nudity <laughs> <laughs> because you're going to have to do a lot of it. But the good thing is it's not a sexy thing. It's a terrifying murder thing. <laughs> <laughs> So it's like, here you go. You know, you don't, you don't have to strip some dude. You just got to go kill a whole lot of people in very terrifying ways. How right. Oh, man. Like, what's the open, or what's the name of that anime with uh, crap? There's like an anime that opens with like this like naked girl that just eviscerates like this hallway full of like tech noir soldier goon dude. Was it Ghost in the Shell? 
No, it wasn't Ghost in the Shell. It was uh I forgot the name of it. It was some kind of avant-garde kind of name, but uh Oh, okay. Yeah, it'll come to me 20 minutes after we go off the air. I'm mm-hmm. sure. And uh But yeah. Uh, yeah I get- I got one last book here to share. And of course, uh, we were talking a lot about the Energon universe uh, a couple of weeks ago here. Duke issue two is out. Uh, Man. Does not not disappoint. (laughs) Man. Yeah. So you got, you did that episode on the Energon universe. So it's like, I kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm three issues into Transformers, but I've got all of uh, Void Rivals in so far. Really, nice. six issues of Void Rivals. I don't know if there's another one. I'll have to check. No, yeah, we're, but, uh, we're at six right now. Okay. But yeah, no, that whole thing is killer. And yeah, I, I've seen the Duke cameo too, where like he ejected, or where his co pilot ejected and Starscream was just being Starscream. And mm-hmm. man, that Energon unit, I, I didn't know how they were going to handle the, uh, or how they were going to necessarily top the, uh, the previous, the uh, IDW run, especially yeah. like that run through Unicron. Cause that was a killer run, but this is, this is getting there quick and yeah. you know, yeah. Especially but, uh, when you, when you get to issue four of Transformers, cause five hasn't come out yet, but when you get to issue four, there's a little bit of a mic. Actually there's a double mic drop they do at the end of that issue. And you're like, yeah. so yeah. So it's, it's an exciting time. But Duke issue two, uh, basically, uh, if you've read the first issue, you know that basically, you know, Duke is full on, you know, like, what are these robots that are planes and what freaking <laughs> me out here? And the U.S. government is trying to cover it up. They're trying to keep Duke quiet. Um, so he's kind of playing a bit of a rogue operative, kind of like, you know, he's a conspiracy theorist guy, but the stuff he's talking about is real, you know. Um, they managed to bring in uh, good old Dr. Burkhart from the original uh, issue of G.I. Joe. Uh, it's kind of like she's a, <laughs> yeah. an expert on the stuff in the first issue um, and sort of thing like that. But then, like, you know, we see General Hawk in the first issue because he's kind of he has a conversation with Duke, kind of like, you know, what are you doing, kid? You know, you were I expect this out of your little brother. I don't expect this out of you. So, like, we make a Falcon reference, even though we don't name check Falcon. But right. um Essentially, by the end of the first issue, um, a another member, because like I said, right now, the Energon Universe, the G.I. Joe team does not exist. Uh, so we have a potentially future member of the G.I. Joe team who has been tasked with hunting Duke. That man is named Stalker. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but Stalker also brings a friend, which is another old school member of the G.I. Joe team, Rock and Roll. <laughs> I love rock and roll is one of my favorites, man. Just dude, like dude loved heavy metal and he had a machine gun, a giant yeah. Gatling gun. Yeah. Yeah. We also get another uh, member of the Joe team popping in basically uh, as a buddy of Dukes and that's clutch. So the get, so I, get, yeah. Yeah. I, I did see the panel in there. That was the, uh, which is sadly like, but, you know, since Carl Weathers passed, you know, the the tribute panel in there with the uh, the Predator arm grab, you know, oh, yeah. like, yeah, that was cool. I, I, there's, a, there's a neat little panel in there. Check that out yeah. Yeah. if you haven't. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but the, 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 the bomb drop on issue two, of course, in the solicitations for Duke, we've, for Duke and for Cobra Commander, we see kind of like, uh, like a lineup of characters involved in the miniseries. So for Cobra Commander, we see 
Cobra Commander. We see Zorana. We see, um, uh, i trying to think. I know Mercer's in there. I can't remember who the fourth person is. It's like a, I don't know if it's Destro or if it's a Cobra Soldier or something along those lines. But basically, it's mm-hmm. people we've seen in the series so far. Over on Duke. Duke's in there. Uh, 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 Colonel Hawk. He's not general right now. He's just a colonel. Uh, Stalker's in there. But the fourth person is the Baroness. So we're like, in first issue, we see, don't see a Baroness. We do an issue two. So mm-hmm. there's a little bit of like, why is she in the place that she's in? And, you know, what, what, what's going on with the Baroness here? So, And you still remember my theory about what's going on there, don't you? Oh, yeah. That Zartan yeah, is disguised as the Baroness. <laughs> well, I hope that's for that, you know, the chest. I, 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 that would be cool. I hope that there isn't some kind of like romantic involvement between Baroness and the Duke, and then Duke, you know, has like a crying game kind of episode, you know, you know, it's like, no, oh. no, see, Zartan, Zartan's a master of disguise. He would go through what he needed to go through. You know, if, if Duke wanted to take him out to a nice seafood dinner and, you know, well, maybe, yeah, I'm Zartan would if, go. I'm just saying if things, if things get physical, if, you know, basically, you know, yeah. you know, they, they, they start getting a little more intimate beyond, you know, you know, kissing and whatever else, then there's going to be a, 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 a level of disappointment because as much as a master of disguise as Zartan is, there's certain things you can't mask. Well... So, I mean, I'm trying to say this as censored as I possibly can here, but, you know, but yeah, there's some things you just can't fake. He's not Mystique. Okay? No, no, he's, no, He's no. not Mystique from the X-Men. Okay. Mystique, yes, can totally do that from the X-Men. Zartan is just the, it's just a, it's literally just a digital mask. Right, but Victorian era uh women of uh leisure or pleasure mm-hmm. however you want to mm-hmm. say that there were methods that they used that they employed that did not involve um the <laughs> awareness of that you know and i'm just saying i'm just saying <laughs> well we need to stop we need to we're getting into Victorian era harlot sex techniques here <laughs> on the Fanatic Forum, folks. That's a first. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Hey, I, I, you know, I'm not even on my. I'm, I'm sober. You know, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm not on my own show. So, and I don't yeah. even know where that came from, but ah, oh, God, love it. Well, with that, we're going to take oh. a short break here to acknowledge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. Our sponsor. No, you're good, brother. No, I love it. Look, we're going to acknowledge our sponsor, Cupbooks for Kids. Then we come back. We got a lot more wrong stuff to talk about here because we got wrestling yeah. talk here. So we'll be right back. Comic Books for Kids provides comic books to kids in hospitals and cancer centers across the U.S. It's a place where we can all work together to make sure every child has a comic book. 100% of all proceeds go towards the kids. It's about making a difference, and while they're in the hospital, allowing them to fly like a superhero, battle dragons, or rescue teddy bears. We are in every state in the country and now support over 160 hospitals. Every month, we add more. Visit cb4k.org. Wow, I'm still laughing about that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I totally. Oh, you're good, that. brother. 
way. Real quick, though, i got a plug for comic books for kids. Of course, last weekend for the Multiverse Fundraiser, uh, we were sponsoring them. Uh, for basically, so all the proceeds went straight to comic books for kids. So if you still want to donate, you can go to comicbooksforkids.org or cb4k.org uh, and donate yourself there. They are an awesome grassroots organization uh, that literally gets comic books, toys, Funko Pops, all kinds of cool stuff like that to kids in hospitals just as a, a way to brighten their day, a way to distract them from basically the, the, the rough times they're in. I mean, because you're not in a hospital for a good reason. You know, right, especially right. when you're a little kid. So it's it's a great organization. Um, uh, Mark Weiss, who's the CEO, uh, what I love about him is like he has like a lot of contacts with the hospitals. But then like when it comes time to give the kids the stuff, the hospitals the one giving the kids stuff. Not the, So the families, the kids, they don't know who Mark is. They don't know who Complex yeah. the Kids, you know, is. So it's like he's doing this the right way. So it's right, like, right. Yeah, just, That's just cool. a group. Yeah, just a great guy, great organization. So, yeah, so support them, certainly, if you can. Yeah. All right, we got wrestling to talk about here, sir. Do we ever. All right. Yes. So, uh, we were, of course, you know, we had the Royal Rumble uh, this past Saturday. Um, and overall, um, I enjoyed the show. It wasn't uh, a great, you know, event. Uh, I think they could have maybe jazzed up a little bit more, seeing as they were really trying to overshadow the bad press they were getting. Yeah. Uh, but definitely the women's rumble, I think was far better, uh, far, far more entertaining than the men's. hundred percent, hundred percent, especially with who you had, like there were more surprises in the women's rumble. Uh, yep. there were more memorable moments in the women's rumble. It was just mm-hmm. an all out better match. Now I did run out of what was it? 10 minutes over, I think yes. from what normally yeah. or from what it was supposed to, but you know, it, it, that's, it was that's worth an eternity it. in TV time. Yeah, it is. Yeah, oh gosh, I can. Somebody was somebody was mad back there. So, so, somebody probably had to leave the gorilla position and go outside and scream for a little bit. Um, sure, there, some some producer yeah. was you know their hair turned white as the match was going on. So <laughs> right, yeah, and you could really tell that affected it later on, especially in the men's because they were yeah. just rapid fire. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah. Because um, I even started timing the women's rumble once they came out, and they were dead on about ninety seconds each time. But yeah, yeah the the men there was no way that, that was ninety seconds. No, yeah, there's a lot of dudes they were rushing through, and a lot of spots they were rushing through as well. Because um, of course, like in the women's rumble, we got like uh, the return of Naomi. She'd been over in TNA for a while. Yes. Uh, basically, they were women's champion for a bit, but now she lost it to to uh, Jordana Grace, and then we got to see Jordana. Uh, yeah. She looked Dude. phenomenal in the match. They gave her a great showing. They did. I oh man, I popped huge when she showed up because I was not expecting it at all. And yeah. you know, yeah, she she was great in there. I loved it with her and Naomi uh, just having their little hug in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you notice? Uh, I think I believe still as of today that Naomi slash Trinity is still listed on the WWE roster and the TNA roster. So, interesting. Uh, yeah, that is kind of interesting. But uh, yeah, but yeah, a lot of moments there. Of course, we got to see the debut of Jade Cargill uh, in the WWE, yeah. and she looked fantastic. Yeah, Better that was a great in, debut. And probably what well, she was in the Rumble for what maybe less than thirty minutes or something like that. Uh, yeah, was, something like that. You know, even though her she had a couple of spots that weren't great, like she looked better 
there than she ever did in AEW. So you can tell oh, she's been training her butt off in the PC. So, you know, hats yeah. off to her. She's She was working it. Um, I thought Chelsea Green also had a really good performance. Uh, mm-hmm. Just playing ragdoll, getting knocked around. Um, unfortunately, Maxine. Yeah. Uh, she is greener than goose poopy, and she showed it uh, several yeah. times in oh, the match. Man, yeah. Especially, yeah. she tried to do this like that spinning 360 Hurricane Rana thing where you wrap your feet around somebody's neck and you kind of go all the way around and then fling them. She tried to do that to Bailey like twice and botched it the first time completely, pulled it off. Barely would be kind to say but she 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 got her stuff in just it, it was it, it was ugly yeah it was not it was not good at all it was yeah, she, she was just yeah. Yeah, like no she put her butt back in nxt she is not ready for the main roster right now. no uh on the other hand i uh i'm not really keeping up with the current nxt product on a week-to-week basis so i really got to see tiffany stratton in the ring it was like Girl, yeah. Tiffany like Stratton she's... is legit. Yeah, that yeah. that girl. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's you know just gorgeous, smoking hot. But then, like, she does like a really good swanton dive on a group of people, pulling off a couple of good spots. Like, all right, she's looking clean, looking good. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, just uh, you know, we we had kind of a lack of established stars uh, in the women's rumble, but I don't think that necessarily took away. Some would disagree, but I don't think it necessarily took away from the exciting pace of the match. No, no, no. I don't think it did either. I, I thought that, yeah, especially how they broke it. It was far more entertaining to me, like, pacing-wise than the men's was, too. Even yeah. with, like, them trying to push the story and, you know, push or exactly. push the stories that they were pushing in the men's rumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because, you know, like, you know, again, back to the women's, you know, we had, like, a good, you know, a couple of good spots between... Uh, Jade Cargill and Nia Jax, and then we had a face-off yeah. between, you know, between Jade and um, uh, Bianca Belair, and the crowd seemed to be into that. So maybe we know what Bianca's going to be doing for WrestleMania. <laughs> so yeah, just a lot of good moments that the men's uh, rumble uh, kind of lacked. Like we didn't have yeah. a Kofi Kingston save spot this year. Yeah, no. How do you not have a Kofi spot? That's what yeah. you know. I know. I know. What was it last year that it was a botch? It was just a clear botch, or yeah. was it the year before? Yeah, no, I know that you year. okay. Yeah, and you know, that kind of stuff's gonna happen. Like, don't take the gimmick away from him. That was something that we all looked forward to, you know. The only reason I can think of is like, you know, they're trying to push Kofi a little more seriously. Uh, now especially that per uh, uh, if you guys watched uh, Raw this uh, this week. Uh, the Intercontinental Championship match that he had with Gunther. Wow. That's one of the best Kofi matches I've seen in a long time. I mean, Gunther did a great job, too, and retained his belt. But Kofi yeah. was on fire. It really reminded me back of that time where there was a brief push where Kofi started before the New Day form, where, like, they were trying to push Kofi's, like, a little more serious. And, like, he had that match with Randy Orton where he, like, did, like, the the, the boom drop, like, through a table and, like, was just, like, very Oh, yeah. Aggressive. Yeah, I remember that. And, yeah. Yeah, the crowd was like super duper into it. It felt like that's kind of what they're doing with him again. Like they're moving the new day away from the goofy stuff and trying to make Kofi a little more serious. Um, so that was the only reason I think maybe they didn't want to do the spot because it kind of harkens back to goofy kind of yeah. stuff. So I don't know. 
one yeah. one saving grace, though, uh, of course, with all the the Vince McMahon stuff that we're going to talk about here in a little bit, uh, the possibility of Brock Lesnar being involved in all this uh, chicanery, uh, he got pulled from the Rumble and replaced yeah. with Braun Breaker, who I far enjoy seeing in the ring much more than uh, than, <laughs> oh. than the ham sandwich that is Brock Lesnar. Yeah, absolutely, because Braun Breaker will actually, you know, he'll take moves, he'll sell moves when he has to, you know, like... He but wants he to looks, work with other. Yeah, he looks like a million bucks in there. Yeah, and, and I mean, he, when he came charging in, like coming off the 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 ropes into that spear, it's like, good God, is that dude's oh, ribcage yeah. okay? I mean, like he just, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, his his explosiveness is just awesome. Yeah. And how is it that a guy who's the son of Rick Steiner looks basically like he should be? Scott's son. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I can know there's a genetics thing in there. There's the, the soup and something. It's like, dude, he looks like Scott's kid. Yeah, he really does. He looks like Scott's <laughs> kid. He talks like Scott. He's got Scott's body. He's got Scott's face. You know, it's yeah. like, he's, yeah. I don't know. There's, there, there's some, there's some going on there, but, uh, but yeah, but the men's rumble, of course, we, uh, you know, punk got injured. Cody ended up winning. Uh, but yeah, yeah it's, it seemed like it was kind of just a rush uh, to get there. So that was that was unfortunate because they did a really good job of building the rumble. Yeah. So. But so, then yeah. we still got Elimination Chamber coming up and then WrestleMania itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everybody thinking, you know, we're going to see Rock and Roman at WrestleMania. We're going to see him at Elimination Chamber. I was talking about that on your old stream. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going to see Rock in Australia because the Australian government probably paid a boatload of money to the WWE said, we want the rock. So, you know, and honestly, wherever he's going to do it, I'd be, you know, I'd still love to see the rock wrestle again, just to see if he still got it, you know? Yeah, like, exactly. And yeah. I think that would be the last time we ever do see him wrestle. You know, I don't think, I don't I think, think he's ever right. had, he's never had really had an intention to wrestle before. I don't believe, you know, this Unless... is just too, too good to be too good of a payday to pass up. Unless the only thing is like a Cena's talking retirement soon, if like Cena's last match is a rubber match between he and The Rock, because they're basically one and one. Yeah. So at, at Mania, you know, Rock won the first one, then Cena won the next year. Uh, so that could be something there. So having you know, you know, having having you know, Cena Rock three, you know, we'll see you know who gets on top on that one. <laughs> Right, but sometimes you got to have stuff like Rocky and Apollo, where you know you never really know how that came out. True that. That is true. So <clears throat> let's talk some Vince stuff. I'm here. sorry, my Just... contacts are all dry, and that's why I'm blinking so much. Like, uh, okay, you, if if you want to, uh, 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 want me to blink out for a second here, so you can take them out or something, or what do you want to do? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, if you, that'd be great. If you can give me like two minutes, to, or not even, probably not even that long. Yeah, just let me pop them out real quick. Yeah, go right ahead. All right, so, uh, yeah, we got some Vince McMahon stuff to talk about here. Um, of course, you know, you you guys know, obviously, all the charges that are brought against him, the court documents that have been released that are very explicit, and there are the text messages in there that supposedly, or allegedly, that Vince McMahon sent uh, to uh, Janelle Grant. Uh, you know, I've just... It would make Penthouse Forum blush, a lot of the stuff that's in there. So, uh... You know, there's, of course, you know, like I said, you know, there's a suit that's going on, but one of the charges uh, that's in there basically sort of talks about sex trafficking, essentially. 
And because of that, the Wall Street Journal, as you can see here, is reporting that federal prosecutors are now looking into the sex trafficking allegations against Vince McMahon because, you know, that is still a federal crime. So it's getting way, way more serious here. And there's a lot of, you know, journalists, wrestling journalists, whatever the case may be, who are really getting on that this may be, I mean, of course, like Vince is already gone 100% from TKO, from WWE. He is he is out of the company 100%. But anytime you hear his name, you think Vince's name, you're obviously going to think WWE. Um, while I think the company itself is doing everything they can to... Uh, uh, I'm back, sorry. <laughs> oh, you're good, brother. No problem. Uh, <laughs> Talking about the uh, federal uh, investigation now, uh, possibly, of uh, the sex trafficking allegations against Vince here. Uh, and then while I was saying here, well, it's like, you know, Vince is completely gone from the company here, but this whole suit, these allegations, 100% uh, definitely could be Vince's downfall, but could this also, any any bit of it, blow back on the WWE? I, I think so, yeah, because I think some people have even... I believe that I've read tweets now from uh, some of the wrestling dirt sheets that are coming from other uh, law firms and uh, journalism outlets saying that they are definitely talking to people who have more allegations and uh, some things will be made made public soon. Uh, yeah. So I, I think there's definitely a lot going on and it's definitely going to be more involved of who knew what, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, one one thing that like we kind of talked about, you know, last night was was Corny's reaction to everything, uh, yeah. Jim Cornette, and you know, Jim, like you know, it he he was very surprised at that side of Vince, you know, that was coming out with it. So mm -hmm. I'm I'm wondering how many other people like necessarily know different sides because you always hear like. Mick Foley talked about like a very kind and soft side to Vince, you know, yeah. uh, Austin talked, you know, talked about him being like a buddy to Vince, you know, it almost seems like Vince can become a chameleon and, you know, adapt to whatever he needs to do to, to manipulate someone. And, you know, yeah, and it may have been corny on his podcast, but somebody uh, recently said that uh, basically Vince McMahon has been emotionally manipulating wrestling fans for almost 40 years. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I said yeah. that last night. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, he's, you know, yeah, there's times where, like, you know, we know he does, you know, terrible things where we, you know, the steroid scandal, the Jimmy Snooker's dead girlfriend. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, scandal, you know, what, whatever, you know, other cover ups and affairs and other terrible things that Vince has done or, you know, ruining the territories or, you know, doing, you know, less than uh you know no uh you know less than think, honorable business tactics stuff like yeah. that but it's like there's still times like he gets on air and we like hey we like old vincey you know right yeah you know right after all that stuff came out the first time vince just struts into the ring on monday night raw and says you know we're gonna have a great show and walks on back you know that yeah. was him just coming out and giving everybody the finger you know who was accusing him of anything yeah, I agree. He did. And, then he showed up on SmackDown. Just said, "Welcome to SmackDown." And that was it. Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Uh, there's been some interesting stuff there because I've I've read one article with it. So I was supposing, uh, like, okay, well, where's like Shane in all this? Because like Shane left, it was uh, ousted from the company a few years ago after his you know incident at Royal Rumble. Was it three years ago? I guess. Yeah. Uh, uh, or so, two or three years ago. Yeah. One. Yeah. I yeah. know what you're talking about. 
and so basically it seemed like there was some kind of falling out between Shane and Vince. And so basically Shane was literally fired from the company and hasn't really been much in contact and has been off doing his own thing ever since. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it's come to light that basically like, could Shane have possibly been trying to separate himself from his father because of, you know, he knew the stuff that was going on. Uh, possibly even there's been reports of Shane, like shutting down parties, quote unquote, even in front of like, executives, high-end people, stuff like that. Basically, Vince was trying to wine and dine, impress whatever else, and using this woman to do that. And Shane kind of shutting that stuff down and basically being a literal party pooper. Uh, So basically, like, okay, it could have been, you know, Shane's trying to separate himself entirely from his dad, and there was that. Uh, Stephanie leaving the company to, quote-unquote, be a mom. Yeah. You know, she left when, you know, Vince, you know, she left at one point in the company for a strange reason, and then she came back when Vince was first ousted, and then Vince comes mm-hmm. back and she's gone again. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely, they definitely don't want to, that family has always tried to put forth like a public image of a united front. That, yeah. That's why, like, you know, you never heard anything about Linda not being there, but apparently she'd been gone for, you know, what, a decade now? Yeah, and, they, I think yeah. like Linda lives in Florida or something like that. Like she, they, right, they don't yeah. even live in the same state. Yeah, you know, the they're last, still technically married, but they don't live together. Right. The last time, and I and I specifically remember because it, it was odd, because the last time I remember them all together, it was right when Trump had gotten elected and Linda <laughs> was part of the cabinet, and there was that photo of all of them in the white or in the Oval Office. Yeah. And uh, yeah, because it was like all the you know the whole McMahon family and. You know, that was, you know, how many other times, how many other reasons are you going to have to get the whole family together other than, you know, to pose in the White House, yeah, especially the Oval Office? And then before the Trump administration, Linda was trying to run for office herself uh, in Connecticut. And so there was a lot of family posing with that, too, and family united stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, so, and of course, uh, there was an after Rumble press conference. Um, and of course, and, you know the rest. The, the the wrestling journalists did their good due diligence of asking the right questions in the right way and not getting shut down. And, you know, I think Cody Rhodes should be the company spokesperson because, like, the answer he gave was very. You know, I, I don't condone any of this. It's terrible what happened. I don't know anything about it. I know basically as much as you guys do. I heard about it when y'all did. Um, but let's keep moving forward. I, you know, they're going to have their day in court and we're going to let them handle it. So I mean, it's just a very great right, yeah. answer without basically saying, not giving it a, a good answer. Whereas like Triple H's answer was basically kind of like, yeah, that's all bad stuff, but let's talk about that great house we had. And let's talk about, yeah, we, we made a lot of money and, you know, we got our Netflix deal and, you know, all this. No, 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 all, and yeah, and that's the other thing too. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm, I'm, I, I keep say, trying to digress into other points. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, but then, like uh, to, uh, yesterday, um, there was an NXT media call because they've got a pay per view coming up this Sunday, uh, Vengeance Day, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so Shawn Michaels, being the kind of the head of NXT, did a uh, a press conference, and so he addressed the whole thing, and he addressed it very similar to Cody, much more political, a much better answer, but then of course he had an interesting thing to put in there, because of course there's been over, many times over the years when he was an active wrestler, uh, in his, you know, 
glory days, basically when he was, you know, he self admitted he was, you know, basically an a hole. You know, right. uh, he was accused a lot of times of taking advantage of women or you know allegations stuff like that. But basically, nothing formal was ever brought out. There was always wrestler stories that mm-hmm. were passed around. He's like, look, in my heyday, I did not have any trouble you know, getting a woman to come to my hotel room because of who I am and my, you know, good looks. He's like, I was still a jerk and a, you know, a, you know, right. you know like I was like, but nothing non-consensual ever happened. So it's like people have spread rumors about that in the past. And those rumors have been recounted because, you know, I called them a task on it and they came out and, you know, right, yeah, yeah. The source was not reliable. I, re- I remember hearing about that when it, yeah, when it came out and then it was kind of like, eh. Yeah. You know, yeah, the person who's like saying most, it isn't known for saying legit. Yeah, stuff. it's like yeah, you know, one of those people was Brutus Beefcake, aka Ed Leslie. It's like okay, Ed, <laughs> right? Tell us another one. <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, I think Marty Janetti even said stuff, and of course, Marty Janetti is about as reliable source as Satan himself. So right, oh yeah. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, Another uh, interesting uh, note that came up here uh, recently, of course, in the whole Vince story here, uh, basically John Laurinaitis has been uh, named in a lot of, you know, the stuff as well, being involved in some of the improprieties, you know, things like that. Uh, But now his representation is coming out and saying that John himself is a victim. Yeah. And The, the, the truth will come to light, apparently. Right. And I am uh Yeah. Um this is our believing you face, John. <laughs> Collectively, this is our I totally, totally believe everything you're saying. Yeah. What a fine, upstanding citizen you've always been in the wrestling business. Never screwed anybody over ever or took 40. advantage of people. Or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, I listened to Corny's reaction to to that news before you know I came on to this show, and he brought up a really good point that you know if uh, if he was indeed a victim of this, and you know if you read the sixty seven page document, there was a period of time where she was scheduled to go and have uh, scheduled like Thursday or Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Sundays. You know, mm-hmm. were the nights that John Laurinaitis was with her. So what did yeah. they do? Did they sit in Laurenitis's hotel room and go, okay, so uh, we're just going to tell Vince we did it. And mm-hmm. then, uh, you know, so, yeah, because we're both victims. And, yeah. Yeah. No, we they didn't do it. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> you know? yeah, they, they were just jumping up and down the bed and making noises. Just simulating right, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, just in case that. Vince called or had anybody listening. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then uh, another interesting little tidbit. I pulled this up here from uh, Vice News. Uh, this evening here, uh, the NDAs that apparently uh, that uh, Janelle Grant and a lot of other people have signed that are all involved in this whole sort of situation were authored 100% by Vince and basically without WWE's knowledge. Uh, whether or not there's any legal counsel were involved in this, we don't 100% know, but basically, there's there may be a very good reason why this NDA uh, that Miss Grant had to sign initially. Uh, that she's now basically, since she didn't get paid her $3 million, she only got paid uh, $1 million. Right. There's well, very also, too, like, it, yeah, an NDA, though, can't can't or can't or shield you from a crime. Like, you know, the, yeah. there's the whole trafficking aspect of it, too. 
and uh, the, that's you know that the NDA can't cover that. But then, yeah, it makes me wonder finding out Vince having penned these NDAs himself. There's, I, I believe, one clause in Janelle Grant's was that if she needed a job reference in the future, she had to go through John Laurinaitis and not Vince. Oh, and no. yeah, and so it's like, yeah, you know that that is just straight up like, yeah, you can tell that Vince wrote that. That makes so much more sense now, yeah. you know. Uh, so enough of all this Vince uh, Mishigas because yeah, it, it, it's a mess. Uh, that trial yeah. is going to be fascinating. Oh, stuff is uh, going to keep coming out. We're going to have uh, a very long road of this. If you mm -hmm. don't like trial coverage, oh man, you're going to have a real bad time probably over the next few years. Uh, it's going to make Amber Heard and Johnny Depp look like you know Sunday in the Park, man. I mean, it's going to be. I, I okay. I'm going to be a hundred percent though. I want cameras in there because I would court TV this a hundred percent. I would. I would. This would be my OJ trial. Like I would stream it at work, and you know, because I want to hear some of the testimony. You know. <laughs> I mean, great. I mean, great. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I, I guess court TV still somewhat exists. I, I don't know if they'd be covering this, but there are so many YouTube streamers now that are like, you know, news people. They, they, you know, they, they want to, you know, you know, be authentic about this. Right. Uh, that their coverage of uh, the herd uh, debt trial was fantastic. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing. You know, they, yeah, they're going to be all over this thing here. But yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I guess, you know, basically we now know that Bailey is the winner of the women's rumble. Cody mm -hmm. is the winner of the men's rumble. Cody has already said, I'm going after Roman, but then Seth Rollins on Monday night comes in and says, Hey, what about me? Because Roman, sure. That's the big belt over there, but like, that's the Hogan belt. That's the, that's the celebrity belt there. That's the, all you know, the, basically he's trying to devalue the championship, whereas Seth right. Rollins world championship you know he's like that's the workhorse belt that's the dusty belt why don't you want to get this one here so cody's got something to think about yeah i hope he doesn't choose seth because i don't want to see him face seth i want to see him face <laughs> right i think that and, would be the better match but, and, and finish you know. the damn story <laughs> <laughs> um the whole Punk thing is interesting because, of course, you know, Punk is injured, much like Seth, and Seth's trying to power through and make it to Mania or whatever else without doing his surgery. Uh, Punk looked like he was injured, but then the whole angle with McIntyre coming out, basically having a, you know, tete-a-tete -tete with him and then basically, you know, beating him up and stomping on his arm. So, you yeah. know, are they going to try to do something with McIntyre and Punk and basically try to keep Punk in things? Um, yeah, so I don't, I'm not... I'm not sure. And then, yeah, I'm not even... Have you been even following this whole idea that Seth Rollins may not even actually be injured? That they might be doing it a kayfabe injury? Interesting. No, I haven't, I haven't heard about that. Yeah, just because it doesn't make sense. Like, if you're still trying... If you're trying to push that his injury is so bit severe that he may miss WrestleMania, why are you still keeping him on like this long? You know, it's like, unless you're going to have him in the match, it doesn't make sense. But That's I don't know. It's, yeah, it's a weird online theory, you know, because I, I read Reddit a lot at work because, you know, what else am I going to do? Sure. Not actual work, the, thing, but... the thing, though, is like <laughs> if he had an MCL tear, uh, you know, once it's torn, you know, it, you know, it's probably going to not feel great, but he could probably still work. 
And if he no. was working with somebody good, then they can cover up for his injury. He may not be able, you know, and if he only literally has to pull it out for one WrestleMania match and doesn't wrestle until WrestleMania, then, you know, I mean, yeah, Seth is CrossFit. Seth's CrossFit. He's CrossFit Jesus, man. I mean, the guy's in tremendous <laughs> shape. So, right, right. You know, so, you know, so there's a very good chance of that. Um, we were talking uh, earlier before the show with the Bailey situation. Uh, she's apparently supposed to announce tonight on SmackDown uh, who her opponent's going to be because basically her choices are basically EO or Rhea. Right. And, I, you know, if, if for me, I would much rather see they've been kind of telegraphing it that she's going to break away from damage control or they're trying to break her away from damage control. Like they're going to, you know, the rest of the group's going to turn on Bailey and Bailey goes face. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to see that a lot better. Than I would. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was an odd moment when Asuka came into the Rumble and Bailey looked kind of disappointed that like one of her teammates was in the Rumble with her. And they didn't really yeah. talk. Yeah. They, they kind of addressed it a little bit, but they didn't like talk about that. They haven't addressed it further. So, yeah, so I'm interested if they're going to do that tonight on SmackDown, which is on currently as we speak. It just turned on. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm interested to see what that, but I, I think this is basically like. Bailey's been a great wrestler, has really worked a lot to kind of build up her star power, but I think she hasn't got quite the due that like, you know, Becky or Charlotte or, you know, Bianca Belair get or Rhea as like a legitimate star within the women's division. But I think this program going into WrestleMania, if she does indeed do a face turn, I think this is the, this, this is her time. Is, yeah, this is her time. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, yeah, it it seems like every time before, like when she got to right at that point, something else would happen. Like she got injured a couple of times, and yeah, it was just. I mean, ho- hopefully everything keeps going, and she keeps maintaining that momentum. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, or like the first time she was going to do damage control, and they basically they fired everybody that she wanted to work with. Uh, that was she was going to bring up from NXT. It's like she and Triple H are working on the idea, like, okay, I'm going to bring up, you know, Dakota. We're going to bring up, you know, you know, Io Shirai. We're going to yada, 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 And then, like, you know, fire it, fire it, fire it, fire it. So, basically, like, that's kind of why Bailey was, like, you know, 21, 22, kind of, like, dangling out the wind, really didn't have anything going on. Like, the, the ding-dong hello stuff and, you know. Right. So, but, yeah, she was kind of floundering for a little bit. And then, basically, when they finally brought in, you know, everybody and she performed damage control, then like, okay, now we're full on, you know, really heal Bailey here. But uh, yeah. Right. And one thing we talked about at the top of the show or before the show started here, uh, as you remember in the early days of NXT when Bailey was still in there, she had her uh, her super fan Izzy, which was like a little, I don't know, she was like 10, 12 years old, something like that. Always in the front row, right there in the mm-hmm. corner uh, with her parents and, you know, big fan of Bailey and all that kind of yeah. stuff like that. That girl is wrestling. Her name's Izzy, and yeah, but that young lady is wrestling now. And I'm uh, shaking my her... head just because it makes me feel old saying that. <laughs> no <know>. kidding. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's like she had like her first match, uh, I think it was like right before Christmas last uh, this past year. But uh, yeah, I mean, she's, she she followed her dream just like her hero, and I, it's, more, it's a more power story. to her. More power to uh, her, though. Curse her for making me feel like an old man. Yeah, 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 she made, but, she made yeah. it all feel old there. Because, yeah, you, you made a good point that, like, wrestling time sometimes feels like it was two years ago when it was actually, like, ten. So Yeah. It, just, <laughs> it, it amazes me sometimes just to, to think that it's, you know, I, I think that AEW's only been around for two years now. You know, they're just now, you know, and 
No, they're going on like what five? And, yeah, you know, yeah. Mm. It's you yeah, know hard it, to think of just time relative to anything. And, and real briefly here before we end the show here, we got we got to touch on some AEW stuff here. Top stars are injured or out with mm-hmm. medical issues because you know Kenny's out, Adam's still hurt, MJF's hurt. So you, you know a lot of your big guys are gone. Mm-hmm. Um. We don't have any other really established. We, we're starting to establish some stars, but they're not quite there just yet. Uh, we don't have any face stars right now, which is really weird. No, no, we don't. Oh, well, unless, unless, well, no, nah, not even really Sting and Darby. But yeah, I mean, you know, Sting's a legend, and whatnot. But you know, Darby, you know, Darby's popular, but it's like he's not like you know, he's not quite to that huge point. He was getting there when they were doing like the four way thing for the belt. It was like him and you know, they, like they literally did the four pillars match. He was starting yeah. to get there, and then like they're now we're all kind of consumed with Sting's last match, and so he's kind of involved with that. Um, you know, Orange Cassidy is a, a top mid card, but I wouldn't put him, you know, in, in you know household name kind of stardom like that. So right. you know, it's like we're really kind of you know you've got like a lot of established people in the company, but no one that's like you know, putting butts in seats. And sometimes you watch Dynamite and Collision and whatever. So it's like, you know, are there people in the arena? It's like, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, and I've been an AEW apologist for so long, you know, but you know, there's just, only yeah, me so too, much, yeah. yeah you, there's only so many excuses you can make, you know, yeah. until like you can just tell it's, it's not, it doesn't, there, there's not the same energy behind it right now. You know, the momentum isn't mm-hmm. there. Like there's just kind of, some stuff is working. Some stuff isn't like, you know, how many, okay. We, okay. I love the idea of the acclaimed and the gun club or, and the gun or yeah, the acclaimed and the, the ass boys and bullet club coming together and mm-hmm. making their new, their new faction. But how many times can you have them come out and, you know, throw card blade out and pull out juice blade and, you know, right. Like yeah. how many times can you go back to that? Well, without them actually doing something. Well, and the, the mere fact too, that's like, Okay, so they're warring against a faction that isn't even fully, you know, they're they're not fully developed, and they're certainly not at full strength yeah. because their leader is still injured. Right. So it's like, okay, so you're you're warring against the, you know, the what do they call themselves now, the undisputed kingdom or whatnot. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, Adam's still injured. Um, okay, you got Bennett and Taven are Ring of Honor tag team champions, but they're not AEW champions. Right. Um, you know, Roddy's working on a belt. Okay. You know, Wardlow's working on nothing right now. So it's like, they're just, well, Wardlow's know, even injured himself now. When that happens, he just wrestled last week. No, uh, apparently he did something to his ankle, I believe. Oh, uh, okay. That must have, that yeah. must have happened when he was, yeah, it wasn't uh, yeah. Uh, apparently it's, it's not like one of those super serious injuries, but he's going to be out for maybe six weeks or something. If, if I'm remembering correctly, but yeah. Yeah, so like, yeah, the, the whole company snake bit right now. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the ratings, are, they're kind of, they found their core audience. They're kind of holding steady, but also at the same time, AEW will take their ratings and like basically they're piggybacking off of, you know, Big Bang Theory when they're on Dynamite yeah. or, you know, whatever movie is playing on TV or TNT right before Collision. And then they also do an overrun of a couple of minutes. So basically, the ratings for that are basically the people tuning in for the next show. 
So yeah. they, they, they cheat their ratings all the time. Uh, it's obvious that the houses are not as full and they're putting booking way too large buildings. They need to start booking like, you know, impact size buildings and studios and stuff like that, you know, to fill yeah. this. That's the thing. It's like, you know, you know the, the, the Cornet podcasts have made this point before. It's like, you know, okay, you don't have a big arena full of people every single time, but it's like, if you get like, a mid-sized or a small arena or a large TV studio, and you pack that full of people, it's going to sound and look great. Yeah. Even, you know, like we, we went to an impact show together. And we were oh, like, yeah, yeah, that was fantastic. Yeah, it's like, okay, like this is not a, you know, a huge place, but that place was full of people. There was right. a lot of energy through that whole show because it was like after a pay-per-view, and then you watch it on TV, that place looks huge. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, they had it set up. You know, you do the trip with the black walls and, you know, the curtains, you know. Yeah. You, you accentuate the positive and try and hide the negative. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, Bill Doris coming here with a comment. Uh, Mr., also Mr. Co-host of the Smokes and Road Beers podcast with Seth hey, there. Bill. Uh, say that uh, Wardlow twisted his knee on dynamite. Okay, so there you go. So okay, it's like, it's like uh, yeah, so ankle knee close enough. Yeah, but yeah, he did. He he hurt. Yeah, his knee. Okay, sorry. Yeah, okay. But I was, it was like, it was like, it's like, yeah, he just wrestled Wednesday. So there you right. go. That's why. Thank you, Bill. Uh, but yeah, so it's yeah, it, it, I, I, there has to be a breaking point somewhere where somebody's got to take Tony Khan aside and say, like, look, man, you know, ratings are down. Houses are down. There's nothing really going on with the booking here. We're getting, you know, a lot of fan negative feedback here. You know, let somebody else, you know, be in charge of this stuff. Or let's try something yeah. different. You know, and and, you know, it's it's interesting to me because, like, with, with WWE, you've got that WWE style, right? And there's mm-hmm. that storytelling. You know, you, you, your guys in there can have their own individualized wrestling styles too, but there's still that WWE style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And AEW focuses on more of like let your independent, like, you know, your your personal style shine through. But yeah. the creative is not there to there 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 is no creative to guide you. Yeah. You know, you're 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 making your stuff up as you go along. Kind yeah. of it, it, like yeah. the the storylines we saw left when Cody Rhodes left. Uh yeah. You know, Cody had some storylines going on, and sometimes even some of the stories were like you know long form stuff, which was really cool. Which that's right, yeah. Cool, but those days are gone now because Cody's yeah. over in the big company being their champion or about ready to be a champion. Yeah, you better be. <laughs> and you know, maybe that is something that I, I can't imagine trying to put something like that together, tell a long form story, and you know, something like somebody that you'd be dependent on for six months. You know, they suddenly get injured and they're out for four months, or you know, for yeah. the next year. You know, I can't imagine how frustrating that would be because that happens all the time in wrestling, you know, yeah, all the time. It really does. But. Uh, but yeah, so of course, you know, Elimination Chamber's coming up next for WWE. Uh, for AEW, we've got Revolution coming up at the beginning of March. Uh, so that's basically uh, almost a month, literally a month away. Um, and that will feature Sting's final match, which it saddens me that it's going to be against the Young Bucks, but what yeah. have you. Sting picked it, uh, so, you know, I, I can't. He picked it. I'm not going to be too upset. Yeah. I mean, he got to be involved with Muda's retirement. He got to be involved with Rick's retirement a little bit. And Rick will probably be at ringside for the match. You know, yeah. uh, we'll get some very awkward 82 year old man chops uh, while he's sipping on his mushroom drink. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's wow. <laughs> <laughs> not 100%. Uh, we'll be right. fine. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued where WWE is going to go with the Elimination Chamber with, you know, 
you know, who's basically going to be facing our champions, sort of thing like that. Where's The Rock going to fit into all this? Uh, if he's going to fit into it at all? Um, yeah, will Gunther, uh, you know, maybe will he will he face Seth Rollins for the belt? And uh, you know, basically he become world champion and then dump the Intercontinental Championship without ever having to lose it. Yeah. So there's so so many what ifs, who's gonna make it, who will make it in time, all sorts of things like that. So right. Yeah, we're we're definitely gonna be here to cover this, I'm sure. <laughs> uh but before we go here, we gotta give you one last plug here for the Smokes and Road Beers podcast, especially with your episode coming up this Thursday. Yes, yeah, we are excited about this. We've been putting it together for a couple of weeks now. Uh, but we are going to interview a, a lady who has agreed to sit down with us and tell her her story about her time with the Rivendell cult, which was a, a cult. And there was a part of the country where they parceled out the land or where a tech guy who was kind of scared of Y2K mm-hmm. bought a bunch of land in 1998 and parceled it out to families, you know, for their own little plots and made a made a community and based it on Rivendell from Lord of the Rings. And it was kind of a, it turned into like a, a Lord of the Rings, Christian fundamentalist, like quiverful, like weird homeschooly cult kind of deal, you know, but yeah. we're going to talk to a lady who was a part of that and she's going to share her story with us. And we are excited to to have her and uh, yeah. So please, yeah. Come check us out over on Rumble. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. Beers. yeah. And also on Facebook, you guys are on there. Uh, so 6.30 PM Eastern. Uh, on Thursday nights. Uh, so yeah, definitely tune in for that this week because uh, you guys are doing um, uh, the, the interview itself is taped, but then you guys will do live reactions before and after. Right. right? Yeah. We're going to do, yeah, we got the interview. We're recording the interview portion tomorrow. And so, but we're going to hold on to that. And we're going to air that in its entirety on the show live and we're going to introduce it beforehand and air the interview and then come back after and yeah. And yeah, talk about so, yeah. it more then. So Yes, so definitely check out Smokes and Road Beers podcast. Of course, you guys are all over pop culture uh, where you talk about, you know, fun topics, but you also sometimes handle serious topics still kind of within the pop culture realm. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, de- so, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely more of an adult podcast than here. So a listener discretion is advised. Yes. You know, yeah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, we, we try and cover. We try and cover a lot of things with pop culture. We try and have like more, more of a, more of a serious discussion about things, you know, involved with things with tech and exactly. you know, media and things of that nature. Oh, things yeah. of that sort. Yeah. Uh, a couple more comments uh, popped up here before we go here. Cade Hawkins. Good to see you, sir. Host of cartoon commotion. Uh, the best cartoon podcast on the internet right now, because it is a cartoon podcast about tunes for tunes hosted by a tune. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, is awesome. He is yes, it certainly is. Uh, he is uh, complimenting your uh, physical media collection there, sir. Thank so you very that- much. Thank you very much. I've I've taken a long time and a lot of money cultivating it, and uh, it is it, it's my happy place. This this room is so uh, yeah. yeah. But I, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, this is the official warrior poet man cave here. So yes, yeah. I got a little bit of everything, you know, going around. <laughs> yeah, because we're seeing mostly the DVDs. You got some trades and uh, manga stuff on top there, but we're not even seeing right. the comic collection here. So yeah, the comic again, collection, yeah, it pans around the room. Yeah, I, I'm ideal. This is the only the wall that you can't see is the only one that actually doesn't have a shelf with stuff on it. So right. yeah, yeah. 
And see, so where you got your show cards up there? Because I mean, all my comics are in boxes here, so I got to show you my boxes here that are all scratched up by the cats, uh, stuff like that, <laughs> which is not very you know photogenic here. But uh, but yeah, so uh, I got a little toys there. <laughs> uh, Kevin Reedell popped in here, says that he just got home, so he'll watch this later and tell <laughs> us all why my takes are wrong. Ha ha ha. Hey, he you know, he, a, a proper internet commenter he is. <laughs> yeah, Ke Kevin always gives me the business there. So, <laughs> but, yeah, Kevin's a big wrestling fan himself here. So, yeah, I'm sure he's got a lot of takes as well for uh, the, the multitude of wrestling topics we discuss here this evening here. Yeah. Uh, and also, I, I got to give a little prop to my shirt here as well here. Yeah, that is a sweet shirt, I was going to say, you know. <laughs> I love this. It's a WrestleMania shirt that doesn't have... Hogan. Yeah, that is true. Is that? I got yeah. the Heart Foundation. I got Roddy. I got Macho. I got Jake. I even got the Warrior on here, which I, I didn't love even I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Yeah, it doesn't have Hogan on it. That is cool. No Hogan. So I think this came from the JC Penny collection, uh, if I if I'm not mistaken. Uh so yeah, but it was yeah. just like when my, my wife got this for me, it's like, oh yeah, I know you love wrestling, there's old school wrestlers on there. I'm like, whoa. This is a unique because yeah. you figured like he'd, he would be you know, be like you know him and Andre or something like that. But like no, right? Yeah, that is so cool. Yeah, so it's I always try to do a trivia with people. It's like okay, which WrestleMania did all of these gentlemen appear at at the same WrestleMania? Oh, I don't know that one. Oh, hang on, I'm gonna. I'm totally gonna guess here, but I'm gonna say WrestleMania seven. Uh, you were close. WrestleMania six. Six. Okay. See, my next inclination was actually going to go to WrestleMania eight, but yeah, that would have been farther away. Yep. WrestleMania Roddy had, six. Dang. Yeah. Yeah, because Roddy had the infamous match against Bad News Brown, where he painted half his body black. Oh he, yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. There's that. Uh, Heart Foundation had a match, I think, against Demolition for the belts. Um, and then Macho. Who do you have a match with? But Macho had a match, and then yeah, and then Jake had a match against Andre. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, of course, and that was when Warrior won the belt against Hogan. But yeah, it's a little fun WrestleMania trivia there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sir, we're gonna wrap things up here because uh, it's time for dinner, and we gotta watch SmackDown and like, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> right, right, yeah, we're getting close to old man bedtime, you know. Yes, we certainly are. We we worked full days today, and then you know, of course, I'm you know, all day in the comic shop tomorrow. Which oh darn, I'm in the comic shop all day tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So the, 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 the problems of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, come down and visit me, uh, E Town and Clavering Comics, uh, and now uh, we'll we'll hang out and talk comics, and you can buy things, and you know, I'll talk. We'll talk each other's ear off. It's kind of like it's like a nerd version of a barber shop. Everybody comes in, hangs out, and we talk nerd things and get discussions, and sometimes heated arguments about things, or you know, oh, yeah. people, or, or or just for funsies, people ask me like what I think of Brock Lesnar, and they watch my face get red, and uh, you know, steam starts coming out, and, <laughs> and, and I, I I hated Brock Lesnar before. Or all the Janelle yeah, you 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 hated Brock Lesnar before it was cool to hate Brock Lesnar. Yeah, definitely. Yep. <laughs> yeah, and uh, oh, an interesting thing too. I was listening to uh, Kenny Bolin's uh, podcast, uh, the Bolin Alley, and of course he personally knows Brock Lesnar because he oh, worked yeah. in OVW and spent you know a few years. And there's like, yeah, like you know the stuff that was you know supposedly said by Brock or done by Brock or whatever else, and they haven't quite named him, but it's like everybody's like. 
you don't have to say it. We know who you're talking about. He's like, I've literally heard Brock say some of those things backstage. So it's like, I, I, don't, <laughs> wow. I don't have a lot of doubt that it's definitely him. So it's yeah. like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, so, like I said, the just juicy, rich, dripping with, you know. Yeah, it's going to be, gravy, it's going to be an yeah. interesting yeah, and it, like I said, it's going to be an interesting few years with this stuff coming out. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Strap yeah. in, folks. It's going to be a long time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Kate Hawkins popping in one more time here saying thanks for the kind plug. You are very welcome, sir. You're well-deserved. You're a great show. You got to check out, it, folks. Cartoon commotion. <laughs> All right. Speaking of commotion, it's time to get out of here, sir. So thank you once it. again for being a part of the old Phonetic Forum here. You are very welcome. Thank you again for having me. Always a pleasure. Anytime you want me, I am just let me know. <laughs> you got it, brother. And of course, uh, check out Smokes and Road Beers podcast, Facebook, Rumble, 6.30 p.m. Eastern on Thursdays. Of course, you can go on their Facebook uh, and uh, uh, view older uh, episodes on there if you want to check them out. But yeah, if you want to yeah. still talk nerd, but get... Get, put put your uh, put your adult pajamas on here, you know. You know, you know yeah. put the smoking jacket on here, and and let's get let's get some real talk going here, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and tell a us little... we're wrong and stupid if you want to, too. That's fine, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Especially Bill. You want to tell Bill he's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, tell Bill your your detailed opinions on CM Punk, and uh, he will uh, he will have a very. Uh, very academic discourse with you on on the subject. No, he won't. <laughs> he is all but hurt and listening to too many young bucks talk about. No, that's why I make fun of Bill. It's like show us on the dollar where CM Punk touched you because you know you you got beef with this man that you have no reason to have beef with. So oh. he's just a grumpy curmudgeon that had to work with stupid children, and he basically got a little bit rough with them. But apparently, he's on the apology tour and having a great time in WWE and hanging with the kids in NXT, and they love him over there. So, <laughs> what do you know? Huh? Anywho, thank you guys once again for tuning into the Fanatic Forum here. Uh, always like, share uh, the podcast here with all your geek friends and whatnot or converts. We love to have you guys on here. Everybody's welcome. So, thank mm -hmm. you all very much. You all have yourselves a good evening. Take care. <laughs>